down, receive your word, receive encouragement and instruction for the week to come. Thank you, Lord, for blessing us with understanding, blessing us with clarity of thought, soundness in our thinking, purity in our hearts, Father. The things that you have imparted to us and imputed to us, Father, we want to dwell in that place. And we thank you. We bless you and we praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. Amen. So today I thought I'd talk to you a little bit about the fact that God is for us. Amen. God is for us. He is not against us. He is for us. I think <clears throat> there may be times in your life where circumstances will make you doubt this. Amen. Uh, there is always that that thing out there called tribulation difficulty or trouble and if you focus on trouble uh, and and that's all you focus on you will get the impression uh, where is God why is this happening to me Uh, why what did I do to cause this to happen and I always tell you you can ask that but you know you don't want to know the answer to that question so let's just skip that question because you can't go and undo anything the only thing you can do is repent and go forward got me so sitting back dwelling on how did I get here what did I do why is this happening to me Um, those are the ruminations of the carnal mind which is the enemy of God, which is separated from God. So that's why those questions never get answered. You need to understand that you serve a God of great mercy. And when you factor in mercy, you'll see it could be worse. Men, always. Uh, And as long as you serve a merciful God, there's hope for you. But you need to know that God is for you. He has done everything possible to give us the opportunity to live for him to know him to live a good life and a blessed life he has a good plan for each and every life that's ever conceived there's a good plan for the person sitting on death row there's still a good plan there's a, the plans are never canceled i don't care what your circumstances are So what that means is that your circumstances do not outweigh the benefits and blessings of life with God. If your sin was an issue to God, Jesus would not have gone to the cross already. I mean, the cross let us know that it's no longer an issue to God. And so if we will keep ourselves mindful of the blessings and benefits of God's covenant we keep ourselves mindful of the fact that he is for us no matter what our circumstances are he is always for you he's never against you now there are times when we are against God because we walk away from him we back off we you know thumb our nose at his instructions we uh, tend to put off being obedient to him Sometimes we can be obedient for a season and then give up on it and quit because it's not working out like we thought it should work out and it's not getting there fast enough for us. All those things we're guilty of. But I think if we can come back to the central thought, you know what? God is for me. What I'm going through right now doesn't mean anything. And it won't mean anything in the grand scheme of things. 
You know, uh, I can remember uh, working in maternity and every time women would come in to labor, it was the worst thing in the world. Oh, I don't know if I can't take it anymore. And the minute that baby shows up, it's all different. <laughs> you got me? <laughs> the world changes dramatically. It's all good. You know, it's, you know, and, and they'll say, I'll never do this again. You know, probably a couple of years later, some of them sooner than that, they're right back in there again. Amen. Because we know the goal and the promise outweigh the temporary difficulty that it takes. Amen. To get there. And so it's the same thing with everything that we carry inside of us that God puts in there. The the process of getting to the quote-unquote birthing chamber or whatever you want to place or place of manifestation, the process is going to be a challenge sometimes. But once you get there, you don't really think about I mean, people who continue to dwell on the process and how hard it was and everything um, aren't really focusing on what, what the goodness is. You have to shift your focus. You know what I'm saying? To the goodness. In fact, when we would see women who were still talking about how hard it was, you'd make note of that. Because it was, you did. Because you could expect some problems down the road somewhere. Um, They haven't really recovered from, you know, or you expect postpartum depression, which they get with or without that. But many times, focusing on the difficulty is a sign that people aren't really adapting to their environment the way they should that's true across the board so focusing on difficulty is something that the believer should know that you have the ability to get over that and not let that dominate your thinking you got me there's so much that we have in God even in challenging times that focusing on the difficulty seems, you know, like now I'll, I'll give myself as an example. I was a, a good candidate for for that kind of life. Uh, having had a depression, I didn't realize it wasn't normal to think doom and gloom most of the time. You know what I'm saying? I've been that way pretty much all my life. But when I came into a knowledge of Christ, that was one of the first things God helped me to walk in victory over. And that is a defeated mindset, a victim mentality, uh, a mindset that would lead you very easily into depression. And so I had to fight that mental, um, um, that that kind of like normal, what they call normal average desire to drift over into, is really selfishness. You know, all you're doing is think about yourself all the time, you know, taking your pulse every five minutes and. You know, trying to see if you, what your temperature was. Am I sweating? Am I not sweating? You know, all that stuff. You know, just paying attention to really small things continually. And making a big deal out of stuff that's just passing through. You know what I'm saying? Uh, mental hospitals are filled with people who can't get over the average things of life. And so that's where I wound up. And I determined once I was in there, a woman, one of the nurses, uh, told me, she said, well, you're a nurse too. You know how this goes. She said, but I'm going to tell you something I've learned. She said, I've learned this. She said, if you'll take it seriously, the first time you come in here, you won't come back anymore. Same thing they tell people in jail. Somebody wake up. Come on now. 
You tell that to prisoners. And I don't care what kind of jail you're in. If you're in a mental jail. If you're in a physical jail. <laughs> you can be in jail to your own thoughts. And we nurse them so much sometimes. We get angry if somebody wants to pull us out of it. And they're doing it for your own good. Amen. See, if you're a circumstantial person, I I preach this a lot because I know how it, it is a snare and a trap of the enemy to trap us into a life that God has delivered us from. But if you allow yourself to be circumstantial, you'll have to you your joy will wait until your circumstances improve instead of you receiving God's joy. In in the midst of your circumstances. How do you think people who are locked up in prison for Christ live? To tell that testimony. They've got to find some fruit of the spirit somewhere to, to live off of. Instead of just their circumstances. And so we can all get happy when the ship comes in. But when you got to send the ship out wait for it. How are you? What's your waiting going to be like? And so we have to grab a hold of ourselves and say to ourselves no wait a minute God you promised me this that and the other and I'm going to act like I believe it whether I believe it or not (laughs) you know I'm going to put joy in my mouth I'm going to put your praise in my mouth continually amen when the Bible says his praise shall continually be in my mouth that's a promise to yourself Why would you promise yourself that? Because it's good for you. It brings God on the scene. So if he is for us, he's for us at all times. And you want to bring him on the scene at all times. You bring God on the scene. Anything that's not like him will leave. I guarantee you. It might be a little slow in leaving. Don't sit up and watch it to see if it's going to leave. Just take it by faith and pretty soon it will be gone. You understand what I'm saying? You can't you can't beat God at taking care of you. Forget about your aches and your pains and your lack and your you know, what's going on that's not good. Forget about all of that stuff and focus on the fact that God is for you. That God of the universe lives in me. That God of the universe has promised me everything to take care of me. He's promised me long life, good health. He's promised everything to me. And I rejoice in the God of my salvation. Amen. And so God is for us. Everything that he owns is for us. Everything that he is is for us. It's all for us. So if you turn to Romans chapter 8. And we'll go down to verse, let me think, let let me see, let me see, let me see. Um, I'll start in verse 1, I'll take my time here. It says, therefore, there is now no condemnation to them are in Christ Jesus. See, God is so for you, he doesn't want you to feel bad about what you do wrong. You know how sometimes parents will lay it on a little thick when you make a mistake? See, the the carnal soul thinks that if we can embellish it and make it big, people will pay attention more. They'll get it. You got some kids out there that just get used to it. Oh, and they go again, you know, and tune you out and keep going and do what they want to do. Anyway, uh and so so we 
know that God doesn't operate that way. So he's not laying it on thick with us so we'll feel extra bad. So we can't pull ourselves out of it. and We can't repent. Some people, the more you accuse them, the more excuses. You, you ever see people never run out of excuses? I mean, they got a reason for everything. Well, you know, the sun came up again this morning. And uh, that's why I shot the sheriff. You know, I mean, anything. And so, so we have to understand that God has an excellent way. Of making sure we keep his commandments. He wants us to keep the commandments so that we can live well. That's the main reason for it. So that we can be the recipients of everything that he has for us. So he says there's no condemnation when you walk after the spirit. This means desire in your heart to please God. Walking after the spirit means pursuing the things of God. Pursuing to love God, pursuing to obey God, pursuing to know what God wants you to do and do it. Just be faithful. And he says, walk after the, not walk after the flesh, but after the spirit. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made us free from the law of sin and death. That means you don't sit up and beat yourself up because of what you did wrong. You don't sit up and, and, and uh, get in a bad mood because you, you miss God or you made a fatal mistake or something like that. Now you repent, but don't get stupid. God is not pleased with us sitting up brooding and carrying on about something that he's totally willing to forgive us for and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So the quicker you can get over yourself... The more productive you can be. Just think about a runner running a race and he forgot to tie his shoelace properly and trips. Well if he sits there and gets mad at himself and rolls over and cries and all of that. The, the rest of the race is still going on. Everybody you know watch my smoke. We're the same, the same place now, y'all. We're running a race here. You don't have time to sit up and put on that fake, uh, that fake guilt thing and that fake I did wrong thing. Huh? Say, can you play another somebody done somebody wrong song? Huh? Miss Karen woke up <laughs> with the old country and western singing. I knew I'd get everybody in on this conversation. <laughs> yeah, the baby woke up too. <laughs> He's enjoyed it. But you know what I'm saying. We want to sing the blues, play the blues. Like we're we're serenading God or something with our guilt and our we shouldn't have done it and you know all that stuff. Just skip it. Okay, just put a sock in it and skip it. And let's just really repent. Ask God, please, Lord, help me not to go on and on when I do something wrong. Accept your cleansing blood. Accept your forgiveness. Cleanse me. When God cleanses you. That stuff falls off of you and you get up and you keep running. You hear me? 
take the shoe off, tie the laces right this time, but keep running. Amen. Just get up and keep going. Because the devil's right behind you. He'll trample you over. He catch you see it, sitting out feeling bad about yourself. He'll trample over you so fast to make your head swim. He'll come and add something to it to make it real to you. You got me? And so get up when you make a mistake. You go before the throne of God. And you ask God for forgiveness. And allow that cleansing blood to cleanse you. You know, and, and keep you set apart and sanctified. Amen. You know when you feel clean. You know when you don't. So I listen to people tell us a stupid grace teaching. It really bugs me. You don't have to keep confessing your sins over and over again. Excuse me? Let me ask you this. If I came up to you and slapped you every five minutes and never apologized, what would you think? That's what I thought. Well, if you owe it to a human, you certainly owe it to God. I said if you owe it to a human, you certainly owe it to God. Don't ever consider the blood of Jesus as cheap, unholy, and unnecessary. So let's just get our thinking straight. You know what I'm saying? If we can come into a right mentality about things, we'll be cool. But if we think we can skip over just basic courtesy at the throne of God, we've got another thought coming. That's why we got so many backslidden Christians around. They cease repentance. They cease seeking forgiveness. They cease all of that stuff. You know, your, your conscience can get seared even after you're a believer. You, you get to the point you're so hardened you don't even think it's wrong anymore. Got me? Just acknowledge it. Take it to to the, you know, the outer court was where the priest got cleansed. That's something you do on the outside of God's throne room. So you repent before you get in his face and ask him for anything. It's an outer court thing. It's not deep or heavy. Just live clean, folks. Always live clean. Don't, Don't play around with, don't play around with that kind of stuff. You know, it's... Find something else to do with your spare time. If you want some new doctrine, go do something else. But perfect the old first. You got me? Make sure you're you're an expert. Like the Bible says, be excellent in what's good and innocent of things that are evil. Just be excellent in what's good. Perfect confessing and repenting and living holy before God. Living clean before God. I was listening to a, a reading of this testimony of a gentleman that God had made him very wealthy from doing just very simple things in life. And he said uh, he had relationship with God where he, he didn't just let things slide. You know, he always would ask forgiveness. And there was a man that he had offended and God had told him. He told, promised God twice he would forgive, talk to, go talk to the guy and forgive him. As soon as he saw him again, he passed up twice. And he was, he was at a, uh, and this was, this guy, he ran into him at, at a work. He, he, the guy was a postal employee. And this man frequented the post office to make deposits and deliveries and so forth. You know, drop off things to be mailed. And so he, 
God was the guy was a little short with him one time or he was short with him and he just left it out there and he told God twice God convicted him he said I see that God I'm going to do it put it off twice this like some years went by and so he saw the man he went to speak and give his testimony in a church he's sitting up there on the at the pulpit and he sees the guy the guy's an usher in the church and God reminded him and so he stopped what he was doing and he went down there and uh, he no he told the audience he had to he was something he needed to do before he got started with his message and he went out and talked to the gentleman he said I I said something rude to you many years ago and I put off asking your forgiveness and I want to apologize and ask him see God wants it done See, you have an opportunity to do it in private, but you might have to do it in public. You keep putting it off. See what I'm saying? But it will get done. If you're going to be right with God, these things must get done. Amen. They must. They must. They must. They must. So it says the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. That's what we have. You're free from the law of sin and death. Which means you'll have to sit up and beat yourself up about everything you do wrong. You're free from that. What the law could not do... In that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. So your flesh man is condemned. He has no power. He has no life. All he's doing is dragging himself around trying to get you to miss God. That's the main thing that your flesh man is doing. He's condemned already. He has no power, there's no life, there's nothing to the flesh life. You got me? And so he says, he says, condemn sin in the flesh that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us. So God wants us to fulfill the law of righteousness. He wants us to fulfill everything that he's called us to do through the spirit. For they that are after the flesh mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit. What occupies your mind? Most that's what he's saying here. What's what's what are you what are you excited about in life? Huh? Think about it. Excited about going to church, passing out tracks, <laughs> walking the streets. Yeah. You excited about that, or do you hmm, him and haw and sigh and? Wish you didn't have to do it. Let's think about it. You understand what I'm saying? You won't come this way again to get a chance to pass out a few invitations to a conference. You won't get it twice. You don't know what God will do with those invitations in the right hands. You don't know who he speaks to. Yeah, I've heard people go pass them out faithfully and then come back and condemn it. I thought, well, how stupid. I mean, seriously, that is stupid. Well, I don't think many people pick those up. Really? You watch? Are you God? You're sitting in heaven watching? You need to pray that they do. Are you kidding me? You would use your voice and your thoughts and your faith to condemn something that God's doing? And did God, God ask you your opinion about it? He just said do it. Learn how to be a faithful servant. Amen. Here people tell me things like, I saw those things for years and I even took some home and then finally I came. 
Do you understand what I'm saying? You don't know what God's doing. You have no idea. No idea. So what things do you mind? What what things what's on your mind most of the time? Let me tell you a trick the devil pulls. He'll mess up or touch something of yours in the natural and get your mind on that instead of on God and the things of God. <laughs> you know, we have to sow seed, righteous seed if we want righteous fruit. That that does go hand in hand. Oh, people think they're waiting on God to do something while they're waiting. They're mad at the church, mad at the pastor, mad at the saints. Don't want to do nothing to shut down totally because they don't have it yet. Well, you won't get it like that. Trust me. No? Just so you see, the carnal mind is the enemy of God. Or it's not subject to the law of God and cannot be. So you got to stop thinking like that. you got to put those thoughts away. Amen? You can do it. You don't have to think like that. And put those carnal thoughts away. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Your flesh can't please God. As long as you're abiding in the flesh. How you feel. What you wish you had. What you don't have time for. What makes you tired. What makes you angry. What makes you upset. What makes you this. What makes you that. Stop it. You know we could, we got psychologists call them tapes. That your mind plays. Now that should let you know. That there's no creative thought coming that way. No thought from God coming that way. So let's just give it up folks. And get into that place where you know God is for you. There is a place that we can all abide. Where we know God is for you. You have a knowledge of him. Being on your side. Helping you. Doing things for you. Like I was in the supermarket or went to the supermarket. And, and uh, I always try to I try to get as close to the door. Now this is what I do every way. Even you know how you go to the gym. And you want the parking space closest to the door. And you're really going into exercise. But you, that don't click in your mind while you're out in the parking lot. I thought to myself one day. I could save this money. And just walk around my yard. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, just just a thought. But anyway, I was I was just I was uh, in the parking lot, and I finished the minute I finished putting my groceries in my trunk. A gentleman was walking from his car. He said, "I'll take that cart. Do you mind? I'd like to have it." And I said, "Oh, thank you." I said, "God bless you." I said, "I said, Jesus, you're so sweet to me. That's just right up my lazy alley, you know." <laughs> He'll even meet you up your lazy alley to help you. You understand what I'm saying? To show that he is for you. It's just God being God to us, you know. Just get your mind off of whatever it's on most of the time. Focus in on who he is, what he's doing. If you look for good, it'll be there. You call him good and you look for good, it'll be there. You keep complaining and whining, it will not be there. In fact, it will show up and you want to kill it. Mm-hmm. He says, but, not, but you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so, be that the spirit of God dwells in you. You let him live in you all the time. And you're in the spirit. 
Let him live in you. So if any man has not the spirit of Christ, he's none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is alive because of righteousness. And you know what? You'll find your spirit is the strongest part of you. It's much stronger than your body. Your body that is subject to weakness, sickness, and death. Your spirit man is much stronger than that. Stronger than those forces. So you've got to make the switch around. You've got to switch the way that you think about things. And focus on the greater part of you. What's in your spirit man. What your spirit holds and what your spirit can do. And let him be free and live. So <clears throat> the spirit of, of him that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. He that raised Christ from the dead will actually quicken or make alive your mortal body. Praise the Lord. Your mortal body. This flesh you live in now. It's made alive by his spirit. Not by our uh, good diet, our exercise, our fresh air. Even though that's important to a degree. But you can have all that going for you. And wind up your soul wind up in hell. If you don't have the spirit of Christ in you quickening your mortal body. It makes your your mortal body alive. You come alive to righteousness and the things that pertain to Christ. Which means that your mortal body will come alive to health. Greater health. Wholeness. Greater wholeness. Soundness. You know how these people always want to, you know, uh, um, personal trainers. They train you how to live your life. That's God's job. That's not another person's job. My goodness, what kind of robots are we producing out here? And so that the spirit that quickens you, makes you alive. We're talking about spiritual life and divine life. So you can try and live out carnal life if you want to, but you've got a better life dwelling in you. That's the life of Christ. That divine life will bring more into your life than you can ever know. So the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. Therefore, brethren, verse 12, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. For if you live after the flesh, you shall die. But if you through the spirit... Do mortify the deeds of the flesh. How do you kill that desire towards selfishness? How do you kill that desire towards sin? By living out of the spirit. You can't beat this up and make it behave. <laughs> you know, you'd have been successful without Christ if you could. You'd be the first one. huh? You can't beat up yourself. You know, that's why it's so crazy when you make a mistake to sit up and tell yourself how bad you are. That's stupid. You shouldn't have done that. Look at you. What you did again. Hmm? It doesn't make sense to do that. That will not what this says here. You cannot mortify the deeds of the flesh through the flesh. You have to do it through walking in the spirit. You keep living by the Spirit and your flesh man will die of his own. He'll die from lack of attention if nothing else. You got me? And so if you live after the Spirit, the the flesh, the deeds of the flesh are automatically dead. You put him to death by living for Christ. He can't live anymore. 
You ever have somebody say something to you that used to make you upset if people said that and it doesn't even move you now? And you sit there and you try to think and get moved and you can't even move yourself to be upset about? No. That's a win. That's a gain right there. That's because you've mortified that thing that your flesh used to pay attention to. You've starved him of attention in that area. So keep living. You know, I sometimes I'll watch people and they'll I'll tell them something and you see their mind is like a little gerbil running. What she mean? What she mean? What she say? What she Huh? You don't need to think twice about stuff. The Holy Spirit can tell you exactly what somebody meant. So what if they meant you harm? That going to kill you? <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? It's grow up. Forgive and keep living. You know, I mean, seriously. There are people who do mean us harm. Hello, you're not in heaven yet. You have heaven living inside of you. You can release it whenever you want to. But you won't release it thinking everybody's bad and mean. Look at what they did to me. You need to mortify that, man. You got a chance to kill that thing. You don't have to sit up and beat it up either. You do it by living by the Spirit. Lord forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know what they're saying. They don't know how, you know, how damning that can be to them. Forgive them and help them to live for you. You forgave me. Thank you for it. Amen. So as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Sons imitate fathers. God don't lie, don't cheat, don't steal, don't fornicate, don't do nothing of that. For you have not received the spirit of bondage, again the fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption. You call God Father. If you haven't, try it. It's a nice feeling. The Spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. So the Holy Spirit gives you a check for the day. Just did good. Add a girl, add a boy. When you imitate God, you get a peace in your spirit. And he checks you off and says, you did good. Amen. So God has provided all of this for us. Forgiveness of sins. Ability to walk in the spirit and not the flesh. Ability to mortify the deeds of the flesh. Ability to make right choices. To live righteously before God. Has given us all of these things because he is for us. He's done this because he's for us. Paul says this. He says there's sufferings in this present time. He's not saying everything's going to be wonderful. But he says, he says, I've added it up. And what it amounts to is this. That the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. Well, what does he mean by sufferings? It ain't sickness. It ain't a toothache. It's, you know, (laughs) it's things that God has ordained for our life, for our perfection. 
there's some things that just don't move real quick that you have to tolerate not because you're so such you're the bigger person and all these these uh, baby Christians are just always messing up and I'm so wonderful I just put up with it oh, no 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 that's not that's not what we talk about here huh He's talking about the things that are ordained for your perfection. There's certain people in your life are called to your life to let you know you can't have everything you want when you want it. So you can grow up in God. Oh, absolutely. Are you kidding me? It's absolutely true. He says they are not worthy to be compared. So shut up. This is... This is what Paul always tells the church. Shut up. Stop it. For the earnest expectation of the creature waits for the manifestation of the sons of God. Creation is groaning waiting for us to grow up. Quit worrying about ourselves. What are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? What are we going to What do they think about me? How do they treat me? What do they do? Does anybody speak to me? They didn't speak to me. I know that's a bad place. See, they're waiting for us to stop it and grow up. You got me? They're waiting for us to quit. Get off of square one and move to square two. It's like, and the runner stands here and does not run to the base. I don't know many batters who could get away with watching it go over the field. Reggie Jackson was one of them. But he didn't do it too often because they start fining them if they don't drop that bat and start running right away. You understand what I'm saying? But we need to get beyond swinging at the bat, swinging the bat at the ball all the time. Just get on base. Got me? Because there's more in this game than just us. So the batters waiting to, to get on base. I was thinking about cleanup. Then I thought about Chuck, the cleanup woman, is waiting for her to turn that bat. Can't be holding her up. Right? <laughs> Anyhow, I mean seriously, it, it, it is time. I know before I got healed, God showed me I would have to continually forgive people. And I wasn't doing anybody a favor for doing it. you got to stop stuff because you don't get any farther. And I stayed sick and I stayed on pills until I learned how to do it consistently without cheating. Oh God, please let me hold on this one more person. I just want to hate this one two more days. Had to let it go. I don't wanna. I like hating people. You like being sick? Okay. Let you put it that way. I guess I will grow up. <laughs> (laughs) 
So creation groans, verse 22, and travails in pain. You know, we're keeping the earth in pain by not growing up and stepping into our place in Christ. Still being concerned about having a women's conference with a stiletto on the front of the program. Of course, it's got to have diamonds and rhinestones in it, too, because we're queens. <sighs> okay, Queenie. Go pass out some food to some poor people. That's what queens do. Okay. Are you serious? In my stilettos, in my my rhinestone crown, my tiara that I get when I pay my registration fee at the door. See, creation's in trouble. Waiting for us to get it together and start manifesting as sons and daughters of God. Just waiting for us to grow up. Quit thinking about us all the time. And this is not only they, verse 23, but ourselves also. We're stressed ourselves, which have the first fruits of the Spirit. Even we ourselves grown within ourselves, waiting for the adoption of our bodies. Uh, I face that every morning when I get out of bed, and every time I sit down, stand up, do anything, I groan, (laughs) waiting until this mortal body takes on immortality. So if it's not hitting you now, trust me, it's a wait. For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man sees, what does he yet hope for? If we hope for that we don't see, then we do wait patiently for it. So you can endure this race in God. You can go right to the very end. Serving God, loving God forgiving and giving all of that you can do that and he says the spirit also helps our infirmities God is so for you he lets the Holy Spirit help your weakness sometimes we don't even recognize what we have as weakness you know he'll help you even recognize what's holding you back what's a hindrance to your life all of that stuff and he says, for the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. Well, now many people think this is tongues, but it says it cannot be uttered. So there is an intercession that we cooperate with, which is the utterance. Then there's groanings, which we actually do, but that's an utterance too. And then the Holy Spirit has a deeper groaning within us that we don't, we can't even hear. He's interceding for us. He that searches the hearts knows what's the mind of the Spirit because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. That's how your prayers get answered. You got two spotters inside of you 
correcting your prayers, getting your prayer back in track. You ever start out praying something out of what you thought you were supposed to pray and it winds up going different? Uh-huh. We've all experienced that. I mean, if you get in the spirit when you pray. He makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know. That's how we know it works out for your good. Because you've got all these people praying for you. God's on your side helping you to walk in the spirit. Don't get the flesh involved so that you can do pure things, righteous things. Righteousness starts to avail in your life. And he says, for whom he did foreknow, he also predestinated you to do what? Not to be a millionaire. Not to have prosperity. Unless we spell it conforming to his image, if that's the way you spell it. But that's the greatest prosperity you can ever attain to, is the image of Christ. So let him be formed more and more in you every day. And he says, moreover, who he did predestinate, them he also called. Who he called, he justified. What more can he do? Who justified, he also glorified. So he's given you everything. There's nothing more God can do. He is so for you, he has given you everything you need right now. So what shall we say then to all these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? If he's for you, that means you don't have to strive with man. You don't have to break fellowship with people. You don't have to lose friends. You don't have to quit anything. You don't have to you know, make a scene anywhere. He's so for you. You can put all that carnal stuff aside and just go on in the will of God. And watch your enemies stumble. You know, instead of us stumbling so much, we can watch our enemies stumble for a change. Amen. So he says, who can be against? He that spared not his own son. Huh? He did not spare. In other words, God was so loving toward us. There are certain things that are dear to his heart he could have kept for himself. But he didn't do it. One was his own son. How many of you parents love your children? Uh-huh. You don't want to give them up for nothing. Even when they bad, you don't want to do it. Man. So you want to be for them. Think how much more God is for us. He did not spare his own son but delivered him up for us all. Now listen. If you're God, you can do anything you want to within legal limits. You know, you're a God of integrity. There are ways that God has in his wisdom and his mind to spare himself of certain things. Got me? It's like Moses told him when he wanted to destroy all the children of Israel. So our goofed up and crazy everybody was because of iniquity. And Moses pleaded with God. He said, God, you're going to kill all these people? You made a big deal of us crossing the Red Sea. Now you get us out here. You ain't going to do that. God, come on, spare the people. Simmer down. <laughs> huh? But God would have been within his rights to do it. He'd done it with all but eight people once before. But it says he did not spare his own son. 
Even when Jesus said, if this cup can pass from me. Jesus didn't know if it could or not. But he knew the Father could. Huh? Then he said, nevertheless, not your will but mine be done. But God could have spared his son. Huh? But he didn't. He kept his word. Even to the death of his son. Imagine the God of the universe parting with a part of him. With his own uh, inheritance. The only perfect son he had. Huh? Begotten son. It was with him from the beginning. His companion throughout eternity. Had to part and separate with him. For the sake of us. So if he gave his best already, why are we carrying on about a few material things? Why are we carrying on about uh, whether or not we have Mr. Perfect or Miss Perfect in our life? Why are we carrying on about uh, whether we get the big house with all of the trimmings that you know going to make the neighbors go ooh and ah why are we going on about whether or not we have that luxury car or Lexus or all the bells and the whistles Uh, because he gave you his best already why are you getting big all worked up about this nonsense that's going to be here when you die it's just the truth. You're going to leave it here. Huh? You weren't born with a car car keys in your hand. You were born stripped naked. That's the way you're going to go out of here. But we get all worked up about it. And we already have his best. You let the devil mess your head about things. Huh? <laughs> he said if he didn't spare his best what anything you ask after you ask for Christ is chump change compared to what what he's already given you see he gives his best up front we have to work up to it this is true Remember the days you put change in the offering basket? Hello. He <laughs> worked up to, you know, some some green and then some bigger green and you understand what I'm saying? Well, he gave his best up front to let us know that he won't withhold anything good from us. <laughs> but we don't get it. We don't get it. We don't understand it yet. We go get it though. Amen. We get it. So he says who shall lay anything. Who can charge you with anything. Who can accuse you of a crime. If he's already given his son in your place for everything you do wrong. Who can lay a charge to God's elect. God is the one that justifies you. They don't like what you do. Tell them to talk to God about it. 
I'm serious. You know, we think we go around life explaining ourselves, explaining Lucy everything. Always explaining ourselves. You know why we do that? We're more inclined to want to stay in good graces with man than we are with God sometimes. You know the devil's accusation when you hear it. People who are quick to pick out, you know, point out your faults. And keep that carnality going all the time. Looking at you and watching you. And then something jumps out their mouth. And they tell on themselves where their mind is. You know. Your sins are forgiven. Nobody can charge you with anything like you got to give an answer. You have to give humanity an answer. Now you got to keep peace with people. But that's different than answering to them about your behavior or your lack of. Or what you did wrong or what you said wrong. Or, you know, if you make a mistake and say you're, you're the worst person in the world. Huh? I was listening to this, this thing, you know, people on the, you know, I don't even turn on the TV to watch news. You know, it's just so... Every, these people are sick people, you know, to drag down and malign somebody the way they do the president. Uh, this is a sickness, folks. It's a sickness because they were lied to by their own. So now they don't trust anybody. So pretty soon they're going to devour one another. You got me? But they were told that they had won an election. It was going to be a landslide when it was nothing like that. They were lied to by their own people. And so when the devil starts self-deceiving himself, you better stay away from that. Because you don't want to get caught up with an opinion about. But this some congresswoman was listening in on a private conversation, which is usually a private conversation between the president and the widow of a young man who was killed on the battlefield. And... Uh, this congresswoman who was riding with her for what reason we don't know I mean you know you can be supportive and all that but know that you're there to be supportive claims that she overheard him saying something that wasn't I'm thinking to myself okay how many times have I said things where I meant to say the right thing and it came out wrong anyway or somebody took does that does that happen to anybody but me see you can be doing it's called iniquity folks we've all got it in us you can be trying your best to say your best and do your best and it still get sounds wrong it comes out wrong and if the people who are listening are listening to find wrong in your conversation it's going to be wrong one way or the other you understand he never could have said the right thing to her in that circumstance so a four-star general had to come in and tell everybody what protocol is in these situations and what he advised he advised the president not to call make the call he said it's easy for these things he said it's not going to be good you can do your best and it's probably not going to come out good anyway what can you say to comfort the bereaved 
you know, preachers are supposed to be expert at it. We botch it up a lot. Sometimes you'll do a funeral. They don't like the way you your nails. Your nails was too long to be a preacher. You ain't got no business up there anyway because you're a woman. So they're going to say something, you know. People are going to say things, period. You can't believe everything that you hear people say has been said. You got me? But put yourself in that place sometimes. Instead of being the judge all the time, be the person who's being accused. And see what you can come up with. huh? So it's very easy, folks, to slide over in that place of being an accuser. You don't want to go there. That's where the devil lives. That's his job. He accuses us day and night. He's always accusing people who are living righteously. And so he says, who can lay say anything against God's elect? Who can lay a charge? In other words, none of the charges against us ever stick. So this war of accusation that the devil is waging against righteous people. And people who are trying to stand up for keeping this nation together before the devil destroys it. He would like nothing more than destroy America. You need to watch all of the wars that have ever been fought that this nation had to participate in. You know, as many times as as we've had presidents who tried to stay out of war, you wind up in it anyway. Somebody picks on you, you got to fight back, and then they're allied with all these different people. So you get drafted into the war whether you want to be or not. This isn't warmongers just looking for trouble. People people come over here and they they bomb one of your metropolitan areas, kill three thousand people in one day, try to bomb the government buildings. Uh, it's war, folks. I don't care how much you try to deny it, it is. Now those of us who fight it in the spirit understand things a little bit better than people who are just living from one beer to the next and one rap song to the next. And one government paycheck to the next. Or EBT card or whatever. And a cell phone. And see this is the way the devil keeps people distracted and doped up. Get them on drugs. All they can think about is getting the next spot of drugs that they can get. There are a lot of distracted people out here in the world. But God has to get people who will pay attention. And make sure that we all don't get blown up one day. In one day. You got me? So it's serious things out here. It's not about who you like and who you don't like. It's more about the will of God. And do you know what God is doing in the earth right now? And so when we get into these accusation things, you need to know that your sins are forgiven. That's why this is why liberal people hate Christians. Because we don't we could care less what they say about us. You really think I'm moved by somebody who calls me a some kind of phobe? I said, yeah, I'm scared of y'all because I'm scared of hell. And that's where you're going if you don't repent. You got me? You just have to understand who you are, folks. It's nonsense. You can't, you can't live with your head in the sand as a Christian. You can't go out of here today and, and live six days in a row or five days in a row in carnality and trying to have a good time and think you're really living a fruitful life you're living a spiritual life you get walking the spirit all the time and i mean all the time 
Keep your eyes open. But this war of accusation, I tell you, the when I started first here started hearing about politically correct, and I thought to myself, I said, They stole that from the church. They stole that from the word of faith movement. And it's working better for them than it does for us. See, if I walk up to you and say, Don't say that and if I and I and you say it anyway, I say, well, you're you're a, a, a hater and a homophobe, and you're a, a you know whatever they call people, a, you know racist, you know you're all that stuff, and I get you to back down. And see, people in the church, we can't do that to each other. See, we can't accuse each other. Say, I tell you to shut up, saying you're sick because you're healed, and you keep saying it anyway because you're free to say what you want to say. But all I can do is is implore you, just say the word and your healing will come even though you feel bad right now. You got me? And so if I can counsel you over into it by the Holy Ghost, I can entreat you to adopt that on your own. But see, the people out there in the world are are enforcing their own mandate on people not to say certain things. Now they can't stop you from thinking any way you want to. But they know the power of words and intimidation. They know if they can convince enough people to say and, and things a certain way and to not say certain things, then they can control you. Well, tell me what's, what's different from, from the government of Korea from that or the government of Cuba. You can't say anything against their dictators, against their anything. But in this country you have free speech and you can turn a whole nation against their own leaders by your evil speaking against them. You know? So they have hijacked our faith confession over into the world. Huh? Can you see that? Or am I the only one looking at it? You know, they've hijacked the word of faith confession, the vehicle that we use to bring goodness into the world, and they're using it to bring evil into the world. So we got to get more consistent with our confession. We got to get consistent with the word hiding it in our hearts and keeping it in our ears. Or we will pick up their intimidation, forcing us not to say certain things. Huh? Yeah. I see Christians on Facebook all the time falling in line with it just lockstep with boom boom siding with the accuser of the brethren so who can lay anything to the charge of God's elect you start speaking the word and people start calling you a hater. And you stop saying it as much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he can't charge you with anything. Nobody can sue you and take everything away from you. They take it, God will give it right back. What are you afraid of? You tell the truth. huh? says, who is he that condemns? It's Christ that died. Yea, rather, that's risen again. Death ain't the end of the story for him or us. 
who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Intercession for us. See? We cannot be condemned because of four things the scripture said Christ did. Number one, he died. Number two, he was raised. He did not raise himself. He was raised. So there was a power that raised him. So that means his death was a legitimate death. If he raised himself up, then he didn't really die. You could question if he really died or not. It's like if I, if you had my funeral, I was in the coffin for like five minutes and got up out of there. Oh, she didn't really die. Huh? She raised herself. So he was raised. Number three, he ascended and was seated at the right hand of God. And number four, he makes intercession for us. Man, that's why the devil can't condemn you. Because of them four things. Oh, Christ died for me. Well, did he? if he died, did he stay dead? Oh, no, he was raised up. So he conquered death. You can't kill me. You have no authority over my life. He has all authority over my life. He raised himself up to be a high priest for us. Or he ascended to be a high priest for us. Seated at the right hand of the Father. High priests on the earth under the old covenant never sat down in the temple. They, they, if you got down, you because you fell dead. But they moved around the whole time. They had bells and pomegranates on the tails of their uh, garments. And they made a noise. And that noise continued from the time they went into the holy place to the time they came out hopefully alive. What would kill them if they had iniquity on them? Or if they did something wrong in the ministry process? You know, if you just ran in there, you know, that was something. You didn't do that under the old covenant. You didn't wing it. Like pretend like, you know, like we do people now. They give you false prophecy and call themselves prophets. You didn't wing it like that back in, back in the day. You had to be shown up straight. He wore a rope around his waist and the end of it was tied outside. So that if he died under the anointing, who's going to go in there and get the body? Yeah, you die too. So they just dragged you right out. When, they, when the noise stopped, pull the rope. And he never lived to tell what he did wrong because he probably didn't know. Went in winging it. Two sons of, of uh, Aaron did that. Offered strange fire. Fire of God. The fire on the altar went out. Why? They'd intend it. So they went and made their own fire. And dropped dead. You got me. You didn't wing it back then. You shouldn't be winging it now. Amen. So nobody can lay a charge to God's elect. Jesus did all of these things to justify us. Talking to man will not get you justified. It won't get you off the hook. You're going to have to get it straightened out with God. One day you'll hear somebody say, you know, I used to to judge you all the time because I did this, 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 and this. 
And God showed me that was wrong. I mean if people are honest. If they're not honest they continue to judge you. But you know what I'm saying. You, you get that sometimes from people. They finally understand that they can't accuse God's elect. When you do that you accuse the blood of Jesus of not doing a job. Not doing its job. You're not just accusing people. See because some people think that's a small thing. To accuse one another. It's a big thing to God. Amen. It should be a big thing to us. But but barring that. If you don't think it's a big thing to be wrong with people. Understand what you're saying as far as God's ability to cleanse them. And change them is concerned. So you're accusing the blood of not working. See the blood works on everybody but you. So stop it. If that's what you like doing, stop it. Some people live in such condemnation, they have to spread it around. You don't want to be like that. You understand me? Now you're, you're grown enough in God to hear this kind of stuff. And this is why we don't point the finger at one another. We don't accuse one another. We pray for one another. Love each other. Intercede for one another. Ask God to help us love us. You know what I'm saying? Somebody irritates you like that. You need to ask God to help you love them. Don't. There's nothing wrong with them. It's you. So verse 35. It says here. What shall separate us from the love of Christ? What? Huh? Can you think of anything? <laughs> No, sin's been done away with. That's not an issue anymore. All you got to do is confess. That's the easy part. That don't separate you for anymore. Absolutely, unless you let it. But sin's not bigger, bigger than the blood of Jesus. Amen? No, it won't separate you. He says, shall tribulation or distress, persecution, huh? You see in the, the, our testimonies from persecuted Christians worldwide, they keep, they say, this just makes us more determined to serve God and go out and witness to more people. He says, or peril, or the sword, or nakedness, or famine. As it's written, for your sake we are killed all the day long. <laughs> We're counted as sheep for the slaughter. How's that for a life? Well, you know, that'll put your prosperity teaching in the right perspective. Unless you're trying to prosper to send money for smuggle some Bible somewhere. He says, no, mm -mm. in all these things we are, what, not just overcomers, but we're more than that. Why? Because you wind up with the perfection of Christ. That thing which the devil put in your life to destroy you wound up perfecting you. He, he'll be sorry to mess with you next time. Huh? Why don't we make this a goal? Lord, let the devil be so scared to do anything to me. You know how he'll be scared? Because you don't whine. You don't cry. You don't get mad at everybody. You don't fall out. You don't quit serving God. You don't quit doing your best. Huh? 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 Those are the people he's scared of. The ones he can't move. You go someplace else. Mess with somebody else. Unless you know God just lets him. 
You know what I'm saying? For your perfection. We saw that in Job. It was allowed for Job's perfection. Job had some issues. Huh? Scared of God, making sacrifices for them heathen kids of his. Instead of praying for them, let God have them. God, do what you need to do with my kids, but save their souls. That's what happened to him. If it's good enough for Job, it's good enough for for his children. Got me? So he says, in all these things, every single thing, we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. You overcome the devil. Oh yeah, because that's been done already. Jesus told disciples, listen, don't get excited about that dude. He said, I saw him fall like light. He's fallen already. He don't have any power. Don't get excited about him. He's a chump. Why would you get excited about having authority over a chump? The only reason the devil's moving when you talk to him is because I've already defeated him. See, I saw him fall like lightning out of heaven. That dude don't have no power. Don't get all worked up just because he makes a big deal of everything he does. You think he bad. There's nothing to him. So Paul says, no, nothing. All these things were more than conquerors through him who loved us. He says, I'm persuaded. He says, I'm convinced of this thing. He says that neither death nor life nor angels, principalities, that's the highest level of demons you can deal with. None of that. Nor powers, nor things present, or things to come. Height, death, nor any creature, any created thing can separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Why? Because Jesus lives in you. He's a part of you. If you'll let him live, like he says in the beginning of this chapter, if you through the Spirit mortify the deeds of the flesh, then nothing can separate you from the love of God. And trust me, the devil's tried. He tries disappointment. He tries loneliness or being alone or, or uh, you know, being bereft of things. And, you know, sometimes the things you fear the most happens to you anyway. You understand what I'm saying? So you're going to let that get between you and God. Now, don't think it's not possible. There are people that get obsessed with just one thing so much if they can't get it and get it fast and get it soon fall out with God I've seen it happen people start out on fire for God enthusiastic about serving God amen the Bible talks about that seed was never really sown in good soil it wasn't it was sown in a superficial way because some people think it's that's all there is to God is superficial living but there's so much more to him there's a depth of living that you get only when you sometimes when you have to know God like that you know there's a depth of understanding God you know, I, I sometimes I used to be a little more judgmental, but I, I don't wouldn't like to be there. I'll put it there put it to you that way. Some things you just don't wanna have to know God to rescue you from, you know. Uh persecution or being locked up or something like that. You know, the public sin, adultery, all that kind of stuff. But there is a place in God where those people can live and find fellowship and companionship with God if they'll get forgiven. David found it. 
You got me? So there's people all over the Bible that found a depth in God that, that we don't want to have to have fellowship with. But it's there for you if you need it. You got me? And thank God people find it and cling to that. And don't let that separate them from the love of God. You know, David sinned. Killed, committed adultery, got the wife pregnant, and then killed a husband to cover it up. But he still lived to say, I'm young and now I'm old. I've never seen the righteous forsaken. See, Nothing separated him from the love of God. He didn't allow it. He kept running back to God. He kept repenting. He kept clinging to God. If God offered a door of repentance from him, he took it. Now, when Nathan the prophet came, he didn't have him put to death like many kings would have done. He repented. He told, he told Nathan... He says, I would have that man killed if he did all of that. And Nathan said, you the man. Oh. Pointed the finger right at him in front of many people. Hmm? Nathan lived and so did David. Hmm? David wrote Psalm 51 as a dedication to a man who had a, was an adulterer and a murderer. And found forgiveness in God. Amen. So we're able to find all of that. honey. Nothing can separate us from his love. He won't let it. If we won't let it. He won't let it. He's there to forgive us and love us. Because he is 100% for us. Amen. Alright. Well Father we thank you for your word. And for understanding. And for knowledge beyond reason. This is unreasonable knowledge because we can't figure it out. All we have to do, all we can do is accept it as your will. And thank you for it. And we love you, Lord, and we honor you in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. Amen, amen, amen. So if anybody needs...